If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Now, we've got another guest who's a regular, Camilla Weishaw. This is the third time that she's been on. If you're not 100% sure and you want to know a little bit more about Camilla and how well qualified she is to talk about this subject, which is 10 important considerations and myths to bust for the best use of supplements. If you haven't heard of Camilla before, you don't know her, go to horsechats.com, search for Camilla, C-A-M-I-L-L-A, and have a listen to her first chat. But today she's going to talk to us about 10 important considerations and myths to bust for the best use of supplements. How are you today, Camilla? I'm very well, thanks, Glennis. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's good to talk to you again, and I'm really interested in this one, you know, because there are a lot of old wives' tale myths, everything else about supplements. You know, people saying we should use this, we shouldn't use this. It's a bit of a maze. So the first thing we're going to talk about is natural supplements. So just because a supplement is natural, does that mean that it's safe or harmless or not? No. So that's a really, really important point, Glennis, and one that commonly a lot of people I consult with and talk to have as a common misconception. Um, a lot of people think that just because something is inverted commas natural, you know, it is natural, it's a nutritional supplement, it's a herbal supplement, they often assume that that just guarantees it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of natural supplements are safe when yeah. they're used appropriately um, and correctly, but um, there are some really important factors uh, to help decide or ascertain whether such a supplement is safe Um, and there are certainly important considerations as to why even the purest and best quality natural supplements may not be safe. Mm -hmm. Um, It always comes down to treating the individual horse in front of you and the case history associated with the horse and assessing that horse holistically, so looking at any other medications it may be on, um, looking at current health conditions it has. But some really, really important considerations are that some of our most important minerals, which are vital for um, horses' health and growth and development, um, some minerals and also some fat-soluble vitamins are toxic in high doses to horses. So things like selenium, vitamin A, they accumulate in the horse's body and particularly in relation to selenium, there's a very narrow toxicity range. So if you think just because selenium is natural and it's a terrific antioxidant um, and often can be very beneficial when prescribed appropriately in fertility challenges um, and challenges involving inflammation. Now, just because a little bit of selenium is good does not mean that more um, selenium is better. And it also just shows that even natural beneficial supplements can be toxic in high doses. Yeah, it's it's very tempting to have something that's working well and just go, right, I'll just increase the dosage, isn't it? That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, you might have a fellow competitor or someone you ride with whose horse is on a particular 
supplement. Now, that may be well indicated for that horse. Mm-hmm. It also may not if they haven't done their research correctly or been advised appropriately. But um, that one mineral or nutrient or herb in a particular dose range might be fine for that horse, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's fine for your horse. Um, another issue in regards to safety is that many herbs and nutrients and drugs interact with each other. Um, so it's something I'm always uh, emphasise very, very importantly and do very thoroughly when mm-hmm. I'm seeing a horse and taking a case history is making sure I know all the supplements um, and medications a horse is on. Now, it drums home why you need to be open with your vets too. I think a lot of people don't always fully disclose some natural supplements or some nutritional supplements or herbal supplements they might give their horse um, when their vet comes out to treat a horse for a particular condition or do an assessment. Is your in the best interest of your horse and it is your responsibility to fully disclose any supplements you may be on, um, your horse may be on, because they have the potential to affect the efficacy and the safety of any medications um, a horse may be prescribed, and vice versa. Okay. Okay. So we need to know that a nutrient or a herb or a drug that may be fine on its own may not be fine when concurrently prescribed. Now, if a supplement is prescribed, you know, because the horse might have an issue like exam, you know, just um, lameness, spookiness, uh, metabolic syndrome, etc. If the supplement's prescribed, is that going to completely solve the horse's issue? No, Glenn. So a horse may have a condition like humans have a condition. Now, a supplement can be very, very beneficial in targeting specific pathways that contribute to that illness and condition, but very rarely, if ever, will a single supplement or even several supplements completely turn that condition around without making appropriate management changes, Mm -hmm. without making appropriate dietary changes. Um, It's very, very important to take a holistic approach. Okay. So if you think of nervy horses, a lot of people will give them magnesium. Now, you can give a horse all the magnesium in the world, but it isn't going to miraculously... um, solve the nerviness in the horse if you're a very nervy rider or its energy intake is far exceeding its energy expenditure. So it's about looking how we give these supplements in a holistic context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't out-supplement a poor diet, a poor exercise regime or poor performances. All right. Now, I know that you've talked about one magic supplement that's out there for horses. Tell us a bit about that. Well, Glenna, there isn't one magic supplement. Damn, so, damn. <laughs> again, this is sort of this ties in quite nicely um, with the previous point. I think just like humans with maybe dietary plans, horse owners and horse riders can be very, very quick to jump on a bit of a supplement bandwagon. So whether it's chamomile, whether it's aloe vera, whether it's magnesium, a lot of people just seem to think there's one supplement out there that solves all their horse health challenges. Um, And again, the way social media keeps expanding, you'll see on a lot of the forums that people will be, you know, have posts on there, my horse has, for example, insulin resistance, and they'll say, I don't want to change its diet, I don't need to change its diet, what supplement can I give them? And that's really doing a disservice to your horse. Again, the proper use of appropriately indicated supplements can certainly help 
help manage these conditions um, and help provide a real therapeutic benefit. But just by throwing a supplement at a horse on its own without changing contributing factors, um, you're never going to get the results that you potentially could. Yep, 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 okay. Now I talked before about if something works, then you want to keep increasing it. You know, if something happens and it works and you've got a good result, you just go, right, I'll do more of that. But tell us about dosage amounts. How important are they? They are critical, Glenis. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at prescribing nutrients and herbs in therapeutic doses, we look at these prescribed treatments differently to how we'd look at what we call our um, daily nutrient requirements or RDIs. So they were developed by the National Research Council and they were last updated in 2007. So that's okay. a good 12 years ago Yep. now. And they were based on the minimum amount of particular nutrients needed to sustain normal health production and performance of the horse based on available research. Now, since those guidelines were developed, there has been considerable advances in research and we also need to take into consideration that those guidelines were made in order to sustain health production and performance, not optimise, not make the best of it. Okay. So... Their minimum amounts of horses of nutrients horses needs. When we're looking at therapeutic dosing, we're looking at the amounts of nutrients needed to help exert a significant change in health, and they're usually in horses with poor poor health or are compromised in some way. So, in these cases, the dosage therapeutic dosage amounts are often considerably higher than what the National Research Council. Devices. Okay. So that's one consideration. Mm-hmm. Having said that, another consideration is that more is not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. So especially when we look at particular minerals which interact with each other, just because a certain amount of that mineral, a certain amount of that nutrient or herb works effectively does not mean more is better. Another thing we need to be really, really careful about with dosage amounts is eyeballing dosages. So again, when we're looking at achieving a therapeutic dose amount to exert a therapeutic effect in the horse, we need to be really specific with the doses we use. So if they're liquid herbs, then we look at measuring those liquids in meals. Mm -hmm. If they're um, minerals or vitamins, we're looking most likely in grams or milligrams. Now, often people go, well, you know, teaspoon of this or a scoop of that or this scoop from this product is about three quarts the size of the scoop from another product. And what starts out as accurate dosage can become quite haphazard just through eyeballing dosages. And if you're guesstimating your dosages, um, one, you're risking your horse's health. Two, there's a good chance you're wasting your money. And three, you mightn't get the desired results you're after. So measuring doses and Sticking to the dose that you professionally being prescribed for your horse is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another point on that is many product labels, again, if we're looking from trying to achieve a therapeutic dose in a horse, yep. remembering that with you know, with a lot of these nutrients that's higher than the recommended daily intake, 
a lot of supplements recommend on their dosage labels amounts which are really, really low if you go through the ingredients Mm -hmm. and how much of that active constituent, that nutrient that's really going to make a difference to your horse's health. Often they're really quite low in that. So obviously when products are made, profitability is a really important consideration for the company that makes them. But you want to know that your horse is getting a therapeutic dose of the nutrient you're giving it. So just keep that one in mind. All right. Now, do we need a purpose for the use of each supplement? We sure do, Glennis. So Mm -hmm. I have a real problem when people give a horse a nutrient or a herb or a supplement just because. If I ask them, why do you give your horse this? Well, they say just because or... Glennis has her horse on this and her horse just won the local ag show Mm. um, hunter class and people, again, will jump on a bandwagon. I think that's one, a waste of your money, two, a waste of your time, and you're potentially compromising your horse's health. So any supplement your horse is given should be prescribed for a specific reason and fulfilling at least one but more preferably multiple Um, specific purposes. Um, Again, keeping in mind that when we're out at shows and expos and things like that, product companies, their jobs as sale reps um, are to sell you products. So you need to take in a questioning mindset and Mm -hmm. you need to know if you do buy a product or something has been recommended, you need to be very, very clear in your mind how that is going to be of benefit to your horse and to be aware of any potential risks it could have. Okay. So each supplement must have a clear purpose um, for its use. Yep, yep. I like that expression, the questioning mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not to write anything off regardless, but Mm -hmm. you need to be asking intelligent questions and importantly, you need to be receiving intelligent answers. Yep, yep. Okay. All right, now how soon should we notice the results? Do you feed it one night, see the result the next day? That will be very, very individual um, or very much on the horse you're treating, what you're treating it for, and the nutrient or herb or nutritional supplement you're using. So if you've got something like osteoarthritis and you're treating with things like chondroitin and glucosamine and fish oil, you need to allow for four to six weeks for those nutrients to reach a decent amount in the horse's system mm-hmm. um, to exert their therapeutic effects. So for something like that, you think four to six weeks. If you've got a horse that has really, really bad scours and you're treating acutely with herbal medicines and nutritionals, um, you hope to see results within a few days. So it's about asking the right questions of the practitioner who's prescribing them and having realistic expectations. It's also about being really, really consistent um, in giving your horse those treatments. So again, um, a lot of the supplements will take time to kick in and if you've been inconsistent or you're missing days here or there with supplements, then you're not going to get the effects or see the positive results as soon as you could. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, 
then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Okay, okay. And then the use of supplements. I mean, do you prescribe it and it's on the horse has it for the rest of their life or is there a time frame or how do we establish that? So very, very rarely will I ever say a horse is on something for life. Okay. So again, when you're prescribing herbs or nutrients to a horse, you should have some sort of time frame in mind. Now, again, as a practitioner, you will see that different horses respond to treatments at different time rates, but you should have some sort of guide in your head as to roughly how long a horse will be on treatment for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be conveyed to the owner or the manager or the caretaker so they have a rough idea of what to expect. Okay. Um, they need to be aware of what factors you're going to use to assess whether the horse has an ongoing need for a particular supplement or when you stop it or when you decrease the dose. Okay, okay. So there should always be some sort of time frame in mind of how long you're using a particular supplement for and relating it back to your treatment goals and your mm. treatment aims with that horse. And then just to do with the supplement use, how important is the consistency with it? What can go wrong if we're not consistent or, you know, what we, should we do there about consistency? So, Glenn, consistency is really, really important because supplements are only effective if a horse receives them. Mm-hmm. So, again, with most prescribed supplements, they're usually taken daily. Um, yep. And it can be very easy to miss a day or two here or there. The impact that will have will depend on the state of the horse's health and how far along you are in their treatment goals. But if you're consistently missing days, then that horse is consistently missing out on the treatment it needs. Um, I think a lot of people too make the mistake when they get to the end of a package of something um, while the treatment may be going for some period of time. There can be a lapse when they finish the package or the bottle or whatever container the treatment comes in yep. before they organise reordering or getting their next lot of that supplement. So then you have a lapse and then the horse has a period of time without that supplement and then you will often lose some of that momentum you gained mm. with that mm. treatment. So it's really important to be organised. Yeah. I was going to say the organisation skills. You know, even just when you're reordering feed, you don't run out of feed and then say, oh, maybe I'll put in a feed order so that your supplements are really the same. Just be prepared when you're running a bit low and um, have it ordered in so you can continue. That's a great analogy. I really like that one. Um, Yeah, so we we need to be consistent. And I think another mistake people can make in that is they'll get really excited with the positive results they've seen. Yep. And they will suddenly stop the supplement they're, oh, no. they're yes. using. And yes. it can, you know, it may be that they've got results quite quickly or it may be that it's taken time to get to that point. And yes, you know, for the majority of those supplements, the horse will come often in time. But by stopping a seat as soon as you see results, you can quickly lose any momentum or some of the benefits you've gained. So 
again, having that time frame in mind of how long the horse is likely to be on them and having the guidance um, of a suitably qualified and credentialed practitioner is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what about um, supplement absorption? What sort of factors can influence that? Okay, so how well the supplement is absorbed can inf- well, greatly influences how effective that supplement is. So the state of the horse's gastrointestinal tract or GIT is one of the first considerations. So if the horse has got really poor GIT health or its intestinal integrity or intestinal villi, which are responsible for absorption and uptake of nutrients, if they're compromised, then the ability of a horse to use nutrients and herbs you give it are going to be compromised. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think if the listeners listen to any of my previous podcast interviews mm, with you, mm. they will get a better feel for that. So certainly go back and listen to those old episodes um, yep. to help get on track with, with the GIT health. Yes, um, yes. The use of other medications and supplements can influence absorption. Again, as we mentioned earlier today, how we have herb and nutrient and drug interaction. So different nutrients combine to each other and then prevent the absorption of each other, Mm -hmm. um, put simply. So the timing of when you give particular medications or nutrients or supplements is really, really important as it affects absorption. Okay, okay. Nutrients are best taken with particular types of food, whether they be foods high in fat or high in protein. Um, can really significantly influence the body's ability to uptake and utilise them. So that's a really, really important consideration. And again, when your horse is is prescribed a supplement, um, the practitioner prescribing that should outline that clearly to you. Okay. Now, if you've got a qualified professional practitioner, you've gone in, they've given you a supplement, the supplement's not working. What could cause that? Tell us a little bit about that if it's not working. There would be several points on that, Glennis. Mm-hmm. So firstly, you'd want to know, is that supplement really appropriate or well indicated for that horse? Okay. So yep. Yep. one of the first things is that it just might not be appropriately indicated for that horse. Mm-hmm. Another factor is that it may not be able to be absorbed or metabolized properly. So going back to our absorption, um, but also looking at metabolism, um, probably to put simply, some nutrients need what we call cofactors or other nutrients to help um, a particular nutrient get to where we want it to go or how we want it to act. And if we give a nutrient without suitable cofactors, um, then the horse's body isn't able to utilise it properly in all cases. Okay, okay. Another consideration is inconsistent use of supplements. So again, we need to be consistent, giving them regularly as prescribed Another factor is a horse owner or rider might have in their mind an unrealistic time frame for how long it should take for a supplement to work. So again, a typical case would be osteoarthritis. You know, horses, older horses with chronic osteoarthritis, depending on what forms of treatment you give. Um, If you're doing nutritional treatment only as opposed to nutritional and herbal treatment, it'll take longer to see um, significant results in that horse and you would be looking at four to six weeks. Um, Whereas if you had herbal treatment alongside that, which was appropriately indicated, you might start to really see some good results within 10 to 12 days. Okay. Um, Okay. 
quality of the supplement. So if you're using poor quality supplements and supplements with what we call poor bioavailability, so the horse isn't readily able to absorb and utilise those supplements, they could clearly not work how you'd expect. So again, another good example would be magnesium. If there was a particular horse where magnesium was well indicated, if you gave a poorly bioavailable form of magnesium to that horse, you might not see the results that were expected. Whereas if you gave a highly bioavailable form of magnesium, a form that's easy for that horse to absorb and utilise, you could see great results. Another reason why a supplement may not be working is you may not be um, addressing concurrent factors which are contributing to that horse's condition or illness. So a case might be a horse with metabolic syndrome and you've prescribed really good herbs and nutrients and they're in bioavailable forms and proper dosage. But if that horse is knee-deep in clover pasture and it's not being exercised, and is gorging itself, then you're not going to get that metabolic syndrome under control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really hard to, some owners really close to their horses, they see them every day. It mightn't be that their horse was ever really sick, but their horse mightn't just be doing quite how they like. And it can be really, really hard for those people to notice sometimes changes over time in their horse because they're seeing them every day. And it can be amazing. You can have a horse that's been under treatment, that's doing really, really well, and the owner's like, oh, I think that's a little bit better. And it's not until they go back and look at old photos and videos or they go to their riding instructor who they only see once every couple of weeks. They're often the ones that say, boy, your horse looks fantastic Mm. Um, because that horse is in front of the owner's eyes every single day. And I like to think of it like, parents with young children who or have got babies who they're with their babies or their children every single day and they don't realise the growth and development in those youngsters until they look back at old photos or until grandma who only sees them once every couple of months comes and sees them and can't believe how much they've grown. So that's another important consideration. Yep, yep. And then probably the final point under why the supplement may not be working is sometimes people will change a whole heap of things at once or change a couple of other things at once which may significantly um, impact the efficacy of the supplement or counteract it or um, just contribute to the way it's utilised or contribute to their horse's health. So they may add the supplement and they may suddenly alter um, the training regime of that horse or the exercise regime or the turnout of that horse. So, again, it's assessing it in a holistic context um, and remembering that one supplement's not on its own um, won't turn the world around in a day. Okay, okay. I think you've well and truly busted some myths there about the use of supplement. A lot of information, a lot of information, and I think if people are listening to this thinking, do I have the right supplements? I just need to talk to a professional. Who can I contact? Camilla, can I recommend you? What are your contact details? You certainly can, Glenn. Um, my contact details, my email is Camilla, so C-A-M-I-L-L-A at Optum Equine, O-P-T-I-M-E-Q-U-I-N-E dot com. Um, they can also jump onto www.optumequine.com 
Octomecline again, all one word, just to get a bit of a more more of a feel for what I do and the work I do and um, how I practice. And they can jump on there for some resources to help educate themselves. And they can also follow Optumequine on Facebook. So again, usually weekly little tips and bits of info to really get people thinking um, about their horse's health and learn a little bit about different herbs and nutrients and health conditions in the horse and what they can do to help their horse and help their horse be its very best. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And just for people that may have missed that, if you go to horsechats.com and just search for Camilla, C-A-M-I-L-L-A, you'll find her contact details, her phone number, her email, her website, and also her Facebook link. And you'll be able to find those on one of the pages because you've got a few at Horse Chats. And I think Optimequine has got quite a lot of information there too, you know, just to to sort of jump on, have a read and hopefully clear something up. But Camilla's details are there if you do need to contact her. Camilla, thank you again for coming on, for clearing up those myths about supplements because it is a broad area and it is an area that's often misunderstood. So, you know, we like to keep our horses happy and healthy, but um, I think you've certainly cleared some things up and hopefully saved some people some money too. You know, I think you invest. If you talk to a professional, get a consultation from a professional, it may initially cost you a little bit of money, but in the long run, um, if it's going to do the best thing for your horse and save you a bit of money, then I think that's great. It's certainly, certainly, yeah, look, an investment. And I think, you know, like, Maybe like a saddle for your horse. If it doesn't fit properly and it's causing your horse pain and mm. you're uncomfortable riding in it, then, you know, it's you can fiddle around all, all you want with it, but it's not going to be right. And, you know, similar analogy with supplements. If you're, you know, if it doesn't fit, if it's not right for your horse, then you're not going to realise um, your horse's best potential and it's not going to realise its best, yep. best health. So... Get properly advised from the start and, you know, enjoy. Enjoy yeah. having a really happy, healthy horse who performs how you want it to. I think we all need that, yeah. All right, Camilla, thank you for your time and um, hopefully we'll catch up soon about some more information, more education you can talk to our listeners about. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Glenna. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.